welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. A big thank you to Pastor Karn and the eldership for giving me this opportunity today. And doesn't he look well? Remember this, folks. Write this down. Haven't put it up in the thing yet. Your future is God's past. Think about that for a second. This is going to be 30 minutes because if it's not, Pastor Conan and Hillary will take me out the back and give me a Jesus Christ kicking. In the name of Jesus, right? And it's good discipline for yourself. And Pastor's holding on to your seat because he has absolutely no idea what God through me is going to say. So be blessed today. I'm excited because I know what I've heard from God. And use our too. And the way that I minister, I include the family in the message. That is not a fear thing. That's just the includes in it. So if you don't get included, don't get offended. But uh, just thanks for the assistance that helped me today. Remember, your future is God's past. Make sure you write it down. Pastor Karn said a few weeks ago to bring a notepad and a pen to write these things down. Um, after what I've shared today, you might only get one word, one sentence. It's all right, don't worry about it. We know where you live. But at the end of the day, write it down. And that one sentence has blessed me so much because pastor used to say a long time ago, he's only like 39 now, so he must have been about 14 when he shared it with us, that God goes ahead of us each day of our lives and cuts everything down to our level. Okay? So there's no situation or circumstance that comes against you that you cannot deal. You can't deal with it on your own, but with a renewed mind knowing who you are in Christ, you can respond to that circumstance in a biblical way, or you can react in what you know, okay? So your future is God's past. God is in this message because what is a man without his wife? Awesome lady of God, Carl, just helped me so much to get this done to such an extent that whenever I was in a dilemma last night, should I have a kebab or should I not? I'm ministering tomorrow. So after a bit of a dilemma, days and days before Carl had come home, and I'm telling you right now, what a lady. None of you have this. She got them reduced in home bargains. Listerine gold tabs. <laughs> and that was my Neve. Our daughter Neve said, but sure, we have tried them out. And I'm listening to this. And Neve is telling me that we've tried a kebab on chips. And we tried out those tabs mum got. And we couldn't smell any garlic. So God's a good God. I had my kebab and chips, maybe too many of them. And God went before me and everything was blessed. So at the end of the day, you know, everything, even Pastor Karen came up right now, all this week it's been, don't seek the gift, seek the giver. It's Father, it's relationship with Father. Look at that there statement there and just understand what it says. Whoever controls their information controls their perception. Whoever controls their perception controls their behavior. And whoever controls their behavior controls their actions. There is no gray in God. That world out there will give you their opinion. God gives you his truth. He is the person who crucified his son so that he could bring his relationship into your lives one-on-one, so that you could then renew your mind, know 
who his character was and who you are in him. Faith is a tool. Faith is a tool. It's a relationship. You've got to know Father through his character. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you do not trust the person who is communicating that faith to you, you will just basically implode. You'll have no trust. You will have fear. You will operate in your own strength and you'll operate in your own knowledge. And faith is there. Pastor Karen said it too. It is the yeast to the bread. It is the ratchet to the mechanic. It is the pen to the writer. Every single word, every single promise that God has given us is completely filled with faith. Completely filled with faith. All the faith you will ever need is in those promises. And as you spend that time, and as you renew your mind, and you marinate on the word of God, you and the world become exactly the same, word, become exactly the same. And when a situation and a circumstance comes against you, this is the situation. And this is the situation. Gary, he wasn't prepared. Ian, he wasn't prepared either. Thanks, guys. It'll come clear in a minute. A situation that they couldn't control just came upon them. Thank you, Ian. They didn't know what to do. They weren't prepared. But when you change your mind, renew your mind, when that situation comes, even if you haven't prepared, didn't know about it, do you know what comes out of your mouth? God's word comes right out of your very being. You don't even have to think about it. It comes straight out. And God's word is your final answer on anything that dares to rise up against you. Think of it. Circumstance. Who's ever thought they've been going around in circles? Circum is a circle. Stance. So you're right where God told us to go. And when you know him through the word, through his character, you will automatically decree that word. There's hooks and words out there. What do you think of when you think of sickness? Jonathan. There's the word. Pastor, what do you think of when you say debt? Prosperity. Do you see the word? Do you see the word? That's because Jonathan and Pastor know the word. Where we, whenever we haven't got our mind renewed, when a bill comes, when a situation comes, we automatically react in our flesh because we don't have any other knowledge. Sickness could be anxiety. God is our peace. I am kept, your mind is kept in perfect peace. You're kept in perfect peace whose mind is steady in you because we trust in you. Mental health issues. Keep your mind on the word. Keep your mind on his character. Keep your mind on him. And it's so much when you do it, it automatically effortless change. It's coming in the autumn and winter. Who here has stood? I know nobody does. And warms, warms their posterior at a, at a fire. You warm yourself at the fire to such an extent that actually your trousers are burning you and you have to move away. But if I stand beside a coal fire, and Carol is at the other side of the room, and it heats me up, and I walk over to Carol and stand right beside her, Carol gets the benefit of that heat, even though she didn't spend time in that heat. 
So when you spend that time with Father and when you know him, faith is an automatic thing. Like Pastor, like Jonathan. Sickness, healing, debt provider, anxiety, peace. You were not, we were not created to carry our burdens. He told them to cast them on him, for he cares for you. Now let's get into this. Words have hooks, so you make sure that you know what words you know. Okay? You understand that. Second Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How is grace and peace multiplied to you? Through knowledge. Right? I'm going to go here because I want to open this up. Proverbs 9, 10, the Amplified. The reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshipping him and regarding him as truly awesome is the beginning and the preeminence part of wisdom. It is its starting point and its essence. I know there's a lot of words. I'm trying to keep it down because when you hear fear, we automatically, when we have an unrenewed mind and we don't know, and it's not a criticism, we go fear. And that's where religion kicks in. Fear God's going to whack me with a thunderbolt if I don't do this and don't do that. No, he's not. He loves you. And how does faith come? Oh, he's gone. Come on, speak up. Do I need a defibrillator on your face? Come on. It's hard enough. I should be the one that's here. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And what did we cut it down the other week? Faith, full assurance in the heart. Full assurance in who? Your heart, your very heart, your spirit, that God is God. He is your dad. He is your father. And I worship him and I love him and we love him. But I always go to him as dad. And that's not a reverence that he's still God, but he's dad. Now, let's go through quickly a few people here. Romans 4, verse 20 to 21. This is about Abraham. Abraham is dead. He couldn't have kids, and Sarah's womb is dead. What did Abraham do? It was counted him as righteousness. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. God is in your, your future is God's past. It's already done. So that means every single day you wake up. See if you, see if you wake up, you're, it's a positive. If you wake up, he's still something for you today. And see if you don't wake up, you are in my heaven has a Kentucky fried chicken. What does your heaven have? Honestly, he knows the de- and gives you the desires of your heart. Look at Matthew 9, verse 20. I'm not apologizing for scriptures. And I'm giving you these, and I have my bullet points to remind me what it was Father wanted me to assure with you. But look at them and go in. It was the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood. As Pastor Karen shared last week, she could have been stoned to death if she had went out in public. But what did she do? She actually spoke her faith. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And when she did it, Jesus felt that power going out. He felt the anointing coming out of him, the power. And he went, who touched me? Your faith has made you whole. Did she study it? Did she keep it to herself? No, she was desperate. At least she was desperate for what God's answer was to her problem. Let's move on. Matthew 8, 5 to 13, the centurion. I love the centurion. 
What a guy. The centurion loved his servant so much that he walked from where he lived to Jesus and told, said to Jesus, I'm a man under authority, you know the whole story. Jesus turned around to his disciples who were with him and says, marveled. He says, I haven't seen such a faith in all of Israel. Because this man said, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And the obedience not only was that man, that centurion, going to Christ, but was when he turned around, his whole faith, his whole action, his whole belief was in what he said was done. And he turned around and as he walked back, then his other servant met him on the way. And um, shared with him that his servant had been healed. Oh, what a God. Hebrews 4, 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. That was the children of Israel basically went through all the things, you know. God did all the miracles, and at the end of the day they got to the promised land, and there was only two people, Joshua and Caleb, believed. And they were in the 80s, as far as I can remember. So, memory pastor and Hillary are going to go and conquer a promised land. You know what I mean? You care. Yeah, that's the way it goes. They did not take action. They were focused on the giants and in their own eyes. They didn't, they couldn't see themselves because they weren't saved. Right? We were saved. They were under the law. They were under the, we are a completely different new covenant, new, but God had done everything for them, and at the end of the day, they were looking at themselves through their own eyes. How many times have we done that? I couldn't do that. God sees you as he sees Christ, because you're ahead in Christ. And if you're ahead in Christ, you're ahead in the Word, because Christ is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And see if you're ahead in the Word. Satan can't see you. The only time Satan can see you is whenever you step out in your own understanding and your own abilities and act accordingly. And then... He eats your lunch and pops the bag. First Samuel 16, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to briefly explain to you a man of faith, David. Now watch this. And this is why you need to know God through the word for yourself. Thank God for this church. Thank God for Pastor. Thank God for Pastor Hillary. Thank God for the dog that brought them. A trifle or something, you know. That dog should be bronzed. Um, you know, and it ended up that it's always the word. It's the word, it's the word, it's the word. And I do not apologize, I'm not going to tell you, I know it sounds. No, it's not. It is the word. The word, the word. If you have that word, you will have that answer. This is when God told the prophet Samuel, and when a prophet came to town that day, they were terrified because when the prophet came, even the people, he had to go to Bethlehem because God told him to go and anoint the next king of Israel. But whenever he got to Bethlehem, he came out and says, have you come in peace? Because usually whenever he, a prophet came, he could speak cursing. And he went, tell their people, just relax. I've come here and watch what happens here. And this is why you need to know the word. Whenever Samuel came, met Jesse. Jesse brought out all of his sons, except for David. This is a prophet of God, Samuel. This is the spokesman of God, and he went directly into his flesh. Watch this. 
When they arrived, Samuel saw Elihab, that's David's older brother, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me here. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Promotion comes from God, Pastor Karen. Pastor Karen. That's why we have our pastor, because promotion comes from God. Now, I've got a few assistants. Do you assist me here? We're going to move down. David was eventually anointed. Samuel sent, Jesse sent for David. David came down. He was tending his father's sheep. Came down with ruddy complexion, all this here, blah, blah, blah. And he was anointed. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him strongly then. That was the start of his journey. So a cut long story short, and this is Robin all paraphrasing what happened. Basically, Goliath came and stood against the army of God. And every day he would come out, morning and night, and basically just curse the army of God and said, send out somebody. Send somebody out. And if yours win, we become your servants. If we win, you become our servants. David's job that day, even though all his brothers, all David's brothers were there with Saul in the valley. And they're all frightened. You know, you can go in how big he was. He was nine feet and it's all this brilliant. But at the end of the day, what happened was David was sent by his dad every day, two or three times a day, to bring them a subway. Their lunch. Right? Hey, this is the future king of Israel. So David could hear every single time he went, Goliath speaking curse and speaking destruction and cursing and defying the very armies of God. So then David basically turned around and this is why, see when David was on the mountaintop tending his sheep, there was only five books of the Bible then, including the law. So David, I guarantee you, was singing psalms, was encouraging himself in the Lord with the stories that his father Jesse, his mother, his grandmother, all his relations shared about what God had done for the children of Israel around there. David spent time. He was a man after God's own heart, and God knew that whatever he told him to do, he would obey his will. David knew God because he knew the law, and he knew his father. And that's how God seen his heart. So David basically goes, look at this. First Samuel 17, 26. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. David knew blood covenant. If you don't know blood covenant, study blood covenant. David knew that blood covenant was his right. Whatever he had was God's, and whatever God had was his. So David knew Father. He knew his character. He knew what he was going to do. So David basically, right, this is it, goes to Saul, and he'll talk briefly here, Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 39. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bird came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it 
by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant killed Bufalan and Burr, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the burr, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you, first assistant, and clothed him with his armor. So David put on Saul's armor and walked about in Saul's armor. Saul's armor was Saul's opinion. And opinions are like noses. Everybody has one and there's usually a few holes in it. Right? What was Saul doing? Saul at that time was the king of Israel, but the spirit of the Lord had been drawn away from him because of his disobedience. He was fearing and he was cowering. People are going to tell you there, or an unrenewed mind is going to give you their opinion. The only opinion you have is what that word says about you, first of all, about what you have and about what God can do through you. That's whenever you respond and you don't react. That's whenever you're prepared to your circumstances. So David basically turned around, paraphrasing this. So Saul clothed David in his armor, and he put a bronze helmet, helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened the sword of his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Next assistant, please. This is a full package. And then David put on what he trusted in. He clothed himself something that he had already used. Paraphrasing, he clothed himself in the word that he was intimately involved. And think about this. Every single day, I now deliver to the church, sounds really weird, and I now deliver to Hillmount. Have you seen the size of the bar outside Hillmount? Who in their right mind is going to tackle a bear? Never mind, run after it, grab it by the beard and take a lamb out of its mouth, then slaughter the thing. And Robin Ology again, do you know what David wore from that day forth after the bear and after the land? He wore a bear skin and he wore the land around an apron to remind him of God's protection and God's covenant. It's not in the word, but I'm preaching, I'm allowed to say it. So, Think about this for a minute. This is it. Pastor Karen shared in this last week, and it's superb. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Do you remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree because when a fig tree has leaves, it's supposed to have fruit. It had leaves, but it didn't have fruit. It was a perversion of nature. It took him off his purpose. His face was set like this. He didn't waste time. Jesus knew what he was here for. He was doing that. Nothing distracted him. This thing distracted him because he was hungry. It didn't provide him food, what he needed. So he cursed it in the unseen realm, which was by the roots. And the next day when they came out of the town, pretty sure it was Peter, the only one who basically was paying attention, said to him, as Pastor Karen shared last week, it's weathered up from the roots. Jesus, Jesus didn't even look at it. He knew his father. He knew what he said would happen. And as Jesus just walked on and casually just said to Peter and the disciples, 
have faith in God, when you read that properly, it says have the faith of God. The faith of God is, I believe, therefore I speak. I decree, I speak God's will. It's in my mouth, it's in my heart and in my tongue. And here we go here. So David basically then, and I totally believe, David didn't have a sword. This is just another prop that I found today. David had a sling. So David stood before Goliath, and I don't think he even stood. I actually think David decreed this as he was running towards him. Mm. Before he actually did it, David went down to the brook. Whether this is true or not, I don't care, but I'm ministering. He picked six smooth stones, five, five or six smooth stones, don't know. can't remember at this minute in time. And the rumor on the floor was he only needed one for Goliath, but Goliath had four brothers. Think about that for a while. Whether or not, doesn't matter. So David got a sling. And this is David, not standing there willy-nilly. David knew his God through covenant. David knew the character of his father. David already had a testimony that he saved him from the land and from the bear. David stood there when everybody else was carring there and didn't believe God and basically went, who is this guy? Who does he think he is to define? Here it goes. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of give the carcasses of the camp to the Philistines, of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord doth not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hands. David didn't just stand there and say that. David was running with all his might right into that guy's face. And him with his pride and him with his confidence, it didn't last too long because he took his head off. And what was it David had? Joshua 1.8. This, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate it in a day and night that you may observe to do accordingly all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. The word, folks. The word. And there's opinions out there. And at the minute, there's fear out there. There is discouragement out there. And people are acting accordingly. And we've, we've proved a lot of times, there's so many people have proved, it's not even true. It's media speculation. Whoever controls the information controls your perspective, so on and so on and so on. But whenever you spend that time with Father, He will basically show you who you are. And He will move through you. And you won't even hesitate. You will just... I was um, <laughs> I was delivering mail yesterday to Elmwood Drive, and I don't really know the area, as in people. And just as I got onto the road, there was this, had to be the biggest dog. I'm allowed to exaggerate, well, not really, it's land. This medium-sized dog was standing at the other side of the road barking, and I went, great, this is all I need. 
and basically walked up the street. The dog came over and started, and we were just automatically dropped the post bag as a barrier towards the dog. And then all of a sudden, I just thought, wait a second here. So I chased the dog down the street. There's God. I said, who am I, this dog? And I always sat and thought, wonder what people are thinking in their house. There's that wacky postman chasing dogs again. But it's just the word. The word just came. See, when Pastor Karn honoured me and asked me this week, and when Pastor Karn asks you to do something, make sure you're... It doesn't matter where you are. You could be orbiting the world, Karn, will get through to you. I didn't get answered my phone quick enough, and mine stopped, and immediately Carl started at another part of the house. So I'm thinking maybe I'm tracked or something. But what I'm saying is, is that um, because my future is God's past and he's done everything for me, and I have, I know, I have a limited knowledge of the word, but I know the word. I know the word not here, but I know the word here in my heart where I act upon the word. And um, all of a sudden you think, oh, message, message, and it just went, Father, my future is your past. You'll give me the word. And I went off and tried to plagiarize something sort of like from Andrew Womack or somebody else and do all this here. And all of a sudden, the word started coming through about a man who acted in faith, because faith is the tool. Let's not focus on the tool. Let's focus on the giver of the tool. So just to bring it all together, Philemon 1, isn't it, Ran? It's down here. 1, Philemon 1, 6. Who wants to communicate their faith? Funny how we actually got through information, wasn't it? That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The package. You submit to him. You humble yourself to his word. See, the greatest thing you can get, if you don't know what one is, come and ask this, get a concordance. Because even though the, the Bible, get a good Bible. New King James or King James. I'm just going off slightly here. Do you know who owns the copyright of the NIV? Rupert Murdoch. So work that one out. The... Um, the communication of your faith becomes effectual. But you're not going to know unless you spend that time in the Word. David, when he was on the mountain, God knew that that was his time. Every one of you right now, and I wouldn't embarrass you, but I would, because if you think you don't know in your head, God will reveal it to you by his spirit in your heart. Every one of you knows when God speaks to you. He speaks to me when I'm delivering the meal. He speaks to pastor in the shower. That's how I need to get another life. I actually know when pastors are and God communicate in the shower, or he wakes him up in the middle of the night. Never really understood that one, so. But um, everyone you knows, you know whenever he speaks to you. And what you do is you measure it against the word. And if it doesn't measure against the word, kick it out. It's not of God. And look at this, folks. Wow. Romans 8.32 breaks my, really, really breaks my heart. This is how much he loves you. If he had only created one person, do you know he would have sent his son just to die for that one person? You. Look at this. He, this is Father's character, and you've got to make it individual, because each one of us individually has to come to the Father. You heard the word preached. 
He gave you the faith. The faith was in the word that was preached. You believe the faith that he supplied, because he's the author and finisher of your faith. You then in your heart, ask Father, ask Jesus to come into your heart and become your Lord and Savior. So he's the author and finisher of your faith. But look at that. He that spurred not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we, he not, with him also freely give us all things? Who here as a parent would sacrifice their child for someone that... And when Jesus hung on the cross, and you go into detail on the cross, the whipping at the post and the chastisement and all this and all that, you know the hardest bit for Christ on the cross? My Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? They were together from the creation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit were always one. You don't understand that. Look at an egg, shell, white, yolk. Three things, one end, one thing. Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He was separated from his father when he became flesh and walked this earth. He still communed with him, but he communed him as a man in the flesh. And then when he was crucified for me, when he was crucified for Ian, when he was crucified for David, when he was crucified for every single one of us, the one thing that he probably didn't prefer, he knew all things, Father forsook his son so that you and me could walk straight into his presence, accept his righteousness, and stand before God without any sense of guilt, or inferiority. In the temple, the veil was split. And if you went in beyond that veil and weren't a high priest, you were struck down dead, old covenant, anyway. But he didn't bear, he didn't even spur his own son. And Jesus knew this when it all happened. And we actually sit and think, if I don't put if I don't put this tenth into the into the basket, I could not just keep it this week. And we reap what we sow. It's not about the money. It's about the heart of the Father. It's trust. And when you know the Word, you know the Father. And when you spend that time in the Word, it changes you. It just changes you. And when the situation and the circumstance, they're going to be under pressure. And I'm the last two assistants. You ready, Figley? Looking good. Gary, too. The situations and the circumstances present themselves. Because they've spent the time in Father, and they know I'm going to make this really easy. And because they know their God, when the situation and circumstance that they didn't plan for appears, they were prepared. And bear with yourself, it's a long century. And they were prepared. They responded with who they were, and what they have. And then the Bible says, you enter into the rest of God. He never slumbers or sleeps. But you know what the rest of God means? This is why you need a concordance. It gives you the true understanding of the word. Glory can be translated as character. God's character in us. Right? And 
whenever that situation comes, you respond and don't react. The first thing that comes out of you is the word. And it's not just, I hope so. It's knowing and decreeing. And the rest of God is, he's got it sorted. Doesn't mean you sit and kick up your feet. He never slumbers or sleeps. But the rest of God is, it's done. It's sorted. Faith doesn't try to produce. It rests in God. And then we thank him. Do you know why we worship? Worship translated means to kiss the face of. I'm going to put you, I'll not ask the husbands, I'll ask the wives briefly. Can you all, well, ask all you, do you ever remember a certain song and it just takes you back to a certain moment in time? Worship. Whenever we worship Father, we're thinking on Him. We're thinking on His character. We're thinking about what He's done for us. We're thinking about what we can do through Him. But before we were saved, we were operating on, we need to reboot the mind, because we're habits. Repetition is the greatest form of mind control, and that came from an advertising agency. So what ends up happening is, we spend that time with Father. And we, we just talk to him, we just spend time with him. And he changes you from the inside out. Did you enjoy that this morning? Was that under 30 minutes? Oh, right on, God is good. I'm going to open this altar. Now listen to this carefully. This altar's open. Man, this is for you and ladies as well. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is not coming up to the front of the church and beating yourself with a nettle. Humility is taking your opinion and placing it under another's. So when I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, I'm getting rid of all my ideas and I'm obeying with action what God has said to me to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Another way, humility. Religion has tried to control people. You've got to this, you've got to that. Do you know what confess your sins to the Lord means? Agree? What parent here is going to really be angry if your child comes, yeah, confess your sins to the Lord? But it just means they agree. So you say, Father, I messed up there. I'm sorry, man. No problem, son. You're right. Let's keep moving. Who here is going to say to their child, you're so bad. You're a sir. I said I'm putting you up for adoption. He said, go confess, confess. And it's not a control. It's a loving father that loves you. He is love. He can't be anything else. He is love. And what ends up happening is, is that this is a time, guys, I know it can be hard because we are the head of the home. We're the first among equals. And if you try to do all this in your own strength, Satan will torment you and shut you down. But when you're hidden Christ, like I said before, he can't see, he can't find you, he can't do anything. It's hard enough. But this altar that's now open, and don't kid yourselves, I love you too much to say it, don't kid yourselves, I don't need it, I've got it. But then you come and pray for me because you must be walking in the spirit. And probably when you leave the church, a chariot of fire, a chariot of fire will probably take you up and you'll not see death. We all have issues, we all have problems, right? 
This altar is not for you, hear my heart, to come up and tell me every single information about how the bunion on your toe is like this. And I have photographs on my phone. And this is what the doctor said. And this is what this said. This altar is for us to agree with you what Father has said about your situation. And where two people touch anything, they will have whatever they say. And this is the time you take your hands away from the issue. You don't then sit and look in the flesh and go, ah, but it hasn't changed. Remember, do you remember the fig tree? It died in the roots, the unseen realm. And when it died in the roots, it couldn't. When you kill a weed, you kill its roots and it doesn't come back. If you'd have just chopped it up above ground, it would have re-sprouted and went and continued to be in a perversion. It's in the unseen realm. And this is where you go in and say, I know my father's got this. I know he's got this. And every single day from there on in, you decree it, but you don't decree it in a hope. You decree it in a, it's a done deal. Father, I thank you. I just thank you that this is sorted out. And that's you and the rest of God. And then you then, when it appears, nearly fall down and shake, thinking, wow, what I actually decreed and prayed for happened. Of course it happened. This is kingdom. In the kingdom, nobody's sick. Nobody is dead. You know, but if it happened here, we'd all go, this is natural lifestyle in the kingdom, the king's dominion, king's dominion. And you know that heaven isn't our place to go. We are supposed to repopulate, reculturize, if that's a word, the culture of heaven on earth. And when everything's all over, he creates a new heaven and a new earth, we all live in the new earth. Heaven isn't our destination. You're supposed to live in this earth, take dominion, move on there. So, what I'm saying, folks, and honestly, it is not a control, it would never be a control. But guys, I know, I know that I know, and in this house for such a long time, and I apologize for this, the guys haven't had a support structure. It wasn't anybody's fault. We all got consumed, and the guys need their support structure. And this is what we're here for. So Pastor will be here. Jonathan will be here. We'll be ministering to you as well. And ladies, Adam named his wife Eve. And when God called Adam, both of them came. So that's not to disqualify you. But ladies, I love you with all my heart. I don't need to know the details. I don't need to know the hook. And that's not embarrass you or this, the only thing that I am decreeing right now, or we will decree, is God's answer to your situation. Have an absolutely brilliant day. A brilliant day. And just be so blessed. You are blessed, whether you know it or not. You don't know it, your mind's not renewed. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. And he's your dad, and he loves you unconditionally from the foundation of the world. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps in blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.